0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Verse 4 tells us something really powerful
1: about you and me. Listen to what it says. He comforts us in all of our troubles. He could stop right there and we would say, I'm so glad to know he comforts me in all my troubles. But then he goes on. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. When he uses the word, so that, he says, there's a reason God comforts you.
0: Have you ever felt like your situation is hopeless? Have you ever felt uneasy about your circumstances with nowhere seemingly to turn? Well, in today's message, Pastor Jeff explains that if you want to turn your life around and be set free from your mistakes, you need to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't matter how much work you put in or who you surround yourself with. The only way to change the trajectory of your life is to give it to God. Be the transformed person you want to be by the power of God's grace. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Exodus chapter 16 as he continues his message, The God Who Comforts.
1: One of the best examples we have of the word of God is when the old uh, in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, God fed them by this stuff called manna. When they first saw it, they named it manna because manna means in the Hebrew, what is it? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go into a restaurant and order what is it. I want to know what it is. But God sent it. God sent it, and, and it was called what is it? Now, here's the deal with the manna. They had to go out every morning, and they had to gather it. If they didn't gather it in the morning, they didn't get it. And do you know what the thing was about manna? Is that if you tried to eat Tuesday's manna on Wednesday, it was mildewed and rotted. You had to eat Tuesday's manna, Tuesday. Wednesday's manna, Wednesday. Thursday's manna, Thursday. What is God saying to us? You can't live on yesterday's blessing. You have got to stay in the word. And if you try to reach back and just live off of something that happened to you a year ago, it's going to be rotted and mildew. Not that it's not a great memory. But you see, we need daily manna. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God on a daily basis. So when when Mrs. When Mrs. Goldstein would send Mr. Goldstein out when they were in the wilderness, said, honey, you've got to go get the manna because if you don't get it, we don't eat today. Well, what, how, what are you going to do with it? I might bake it. I might broil it. I might microwave it. I might fry it. But it's going to be manna. And if you don't get it today, well, what if Mr. Goldstein had said, well, grab some from yesterday. She would have to tell him it's rotted. We need fresh manna. And folks... God was speaking to us. The Bible says what, what happened to them back then is to teach us today. What is that teaching us today? That you need to get out every morning. You need to open up the word of God. You need to find something that feeds your soul because every day there is manna from heaven. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It says he daily loads us with benefits, not weekly, not monthly. God's got a daily benefit for his people, but you've got to go gather it. Manna, here's your manna, right here. And you know what the psalmist called it? Angel's food. He said that manna is angel's food. It was supernatural. And this is supernatural wonder bread, the breakfast of champions. There is nothing like the word of God. Go ahead and try life without it. Seven days without the Bible makes one week. Some of you are going to get that on the way home. (laughs) I know it's corny, but it gets it in your head anyway. He whose Bible is worn out probably isn't. You're going to get that one on the way home too, I can tell. You're going, what I mean is if your Bible's worn out, you're probably not. Because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Paul said, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Thank God for the word of God. He comforts us with the promises. But there's another way that God comforts us, and that is through other people. Paul says to the Corinthians, it's a confession he's making. He says in chapter 7, verse 4, great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation. Now, notice he says, I'm in the middle of tribulation, but I've got joy and I've got comfort. I'm in the middle of tribulation, but I have joy and I have comfort. He says, for indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. He comforts us through other people. Listen to what he, and I'm so glad Paul told us the truth about himself. He said, we were tired. We were downcast. We were troubled. We were conflicted. We were fighting inward fears. We knew that it was wrong to be afraid as believers, but inward fears were reaching up, trying to take over our emotions. And how did God bring comfort to them? He sent a man named Titus. And Titus walked in. We don't know what he said, but I could venture to say it's probably something like this. Hey, guys, perk up get a smile on your face, it's not over. You're not going down, you're going through. The God who has seen you through before is gonna see you through again. The sun is gonna shine again. Every storm finally runs out of rain. Every storm finally the par- the, the clouds part and the sun shines through. I'm not trying to be squishy religious. I'm telling you, storms don't last but tough people do. And you've gotta be tough in God. And so he encouraged them. He picked them up. And Paul said, this man comforted us and pulled us out of the doldrums. And that's the mighty apostle Paul talking. And this is why I believe in regular church attendance. Let me tell you, I believe that God has called us to be in church at least once a week. Say, Pastor Jeff, where do you get that? I get that out of Corinthians, where, where Paul talked about the Corinthians meeting once a week. And these people who say, well, you know, and I've had them say this to me. Pastor Jeff, you know, uh, we just feel like we got to the place where we just didn't really need to be at church much anymore. We, you know, we we read our Bibles and we're good with Jesus and, and we're really moving along. And and uh, so, so praise God. We, we Let me just translate it. We've outgrown church. Now, my question to them is, so you've outgrown the word of God? Because the word of God says, forsake not. Can everybody say with me, forsake not? The assembling of yourselves together. That's what we're doing right now. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is, but encourage and comfort one another. And so much the more as you see the day of the return of Jesus Christ approaching. Can I tell you, church, Jesus is about to come again. This world is wrapping up. Prophecies are coming to pass like the daily newspaper soon there's going to be a trumpet blast. The dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, comfort one another with those words. And so why do we come to church? We don't come to church to see somebody's new dress or new suit, or to make a business deal. We come to church to encourage one another. Say, brother, you can make it. Sister, you can do it. I'm here to build you up in Jesus Christ. I want to speak the word of faith over you. I want you to continue. You are not going to go down. You're not going to quit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't give up. I'm going to encourage you. So when you see somebody getting out of church, don't learn from them. Because the word of God is always true. Amen. He comforts us through his word. He comforts us through others. He comforts us through the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. If I do not go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jeff Wickwire is standing up here because of the Holy Spirit more than any single reason. He is my strength. He strengthens me. He encourages me. He gives me peace. He opens the scriptures to me. He comforts me when I'm discouraged. He gives me peace in the very eye of a tornado. Nobody can do what a pastor is called to do apart from the comforter, the Holy Spirit. This is not a career choice. This is a call. And people say to me, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you listen to discouraging things all week long and then get up there and preach. And I had an answer. And here's my answer, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the Lord is how we do it. The Greek word that Jesus used for comforter is the same word we talked about earlier. Parakletos, we've heard the word Paraclete. It means one call to come alongside. He comes alongside you when you're down. He comes alongside you when you're tempted. He comes right up and says, I'm with you. I'm here. I haven't left you. You're not alone. You've been persecuted. I understand, but I'm here. And when everybody else walks out, I walk in. I'm with you. I'm standing with you. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm going to say that again. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I might say that one more time. I want us to get it. No weapon formed against you will prosper as a child of God. No fiery arrow from hell will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you will condemn, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and your righteousness is of him, says the Lord. We live in the generation of the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says Satan has come down with great fury, and he has come down with great fury knowing his time is short. And what is his bag of tricks? What is his modus operandi? What does he use more than any single thing? He accuses you. He accuses you in your mind. He accuses you through other people. He accuses you so that you will give up in condemnation, give up and put up the white flag and walk away and get out of the race. He accuses you in the theater of your soul. He accuses you for your mistakes, accuses you for your past, accuses you for the temptations that you're experiencing. He accuses you. But I say again, greater is he that is in you, than he that is in the world. And Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but have been born of the Spirit. So there's no condemnation. I tell you, the accuser is defeated. He's a liar. When he opens his mouth, he lies. When he talks, he lies. Every word he says is a lie. So pick yourself up, son of God. Pick yourself up, woman of God. Shake off that condemnation. It's not from the Lord. And finally, God gives comfort through you. He comforts through His Word, comforts through others, comforts through the Spirit, but He also wants you and me to be comforters. And I want to home in on this. Watch this carefully. Verse 4 tells us something really powerful about you and me. Listen to what it says. He comforts us in all of our troubles. He could stop right there. And we would say, I'm so glad to know he comforts me in all my troubles. But then he goes on, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. When he uses the word so that, he says, there's a reason God comforts you. He does it not just for you and me, but when the comforts of God come to you, God has not just you and mine. He's always got a bigger picture than just you and me. It's not just about you and me. But he's got those people that are going to cross our path going through the same things we have gone through and God comforted us. And then God is going to say, all right, what I gave you, you can give away. I don't give you anything that I don't want you to give it away. You can't give what you don't have, but you can give what you do have. And if God has comforted you, then you've got a message. Listen, nobody can comfort somebody fighting cancer like somebody who has been through a battle with cancer. Nobody can help somebody going through a painful divorce like somebody that's been through a painful divorce. Nobody can put their arm around the neck of someone whose child has gone into deep rebellion and is self-destructing through drugs like somebody whose child went astray and self-destructed. That person can comfort that parent. Here's what God is saying. Because of Jesus, I don't even waste a pain. I'm not going to waste a pain in your life. Satan is not going to put the hurt on you without me turning it around for the glory of God and using it for my glory. I'm going to take everything that happens to you, and I'm going to work it together for the good. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Wow, You know what that's saying to us? There is a missionary purpose for every pain we experience. There's a missionary purpose. There's almost everybody in here is hurting somewhere, or you're not on earth. Everybody in here is dealing with something, physical, mental, spiritual, relational, financial, something. But can I give you good news today? God sees that pain. God's going to comfort you in that pain, and then God is going to use the pain and the comfort you experienced to undo the works of the devil in somebody else's life. He's gonna use that pain. He's gonna use that pain to bring a blessing to others. When I was uh, had graduated college, University of North Texas, um, I just knew, well, the world's about to open up to me and I'm gonna be the next Billy Graham. Here I come, world. Now, don't look at me like I was proud. Don't get on me for having big vision. I was going to be the next Billy Graham. I just knew it. And and so I thought the world was going to open up, but my own block didn't even open up. And I started having to find work here and there and do these different things and, and to take care of my family and put food on the table. I couldn't find my golden career, so I got different things under the golden arches. And, and I And I just did what I had to do. But, but I began to descend into the molly grubs. I began to descend into, into Bluesville. I began to descend into discouragement, and I couldn't understand where God was and why he wasn't moving, why I had this big vision, and none of it was happening. Well, I, I sustained myself by finding this book that was full of great biographies of Christian men and women who had overcome great obstacles. It was just their life stories, and they were little mini-biographies, a great big book of mini-biographies, you know, George Whitfield, the Wesleys, Jonathan Edwards, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday. I read all these different biographies, and every day, they would help me kind of walk through this. But one day, even that didn't help me, and I was sitting in our apartment, which we affectionately called the Rocha Villa. <laughs> seriously. It was called the Roche Villa. You didn't want to walk across that floor at night with no lights. <laughs> so we really were here. I was college, graduate and all this. And I'm in the Roche Villa, and nothing is opening up. And I'm doing all these, these different things just to put food on the table. And I'm, and I'm saying, God, where are you? And this one day we were taking care of a little 10-year-old girl who had Down syndrome. She was the daughter of some dear friends of ours. Her name was Beverly. She had the telltale eyes, the telltale facial features of the Down syndrome. She had put her faith in Christ. And I'm in this rocking chair, rocking back and forth, looking like I just lost my best friend. And I wasn't paying any attention to her. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, comes Beverly. She sits in my lap. She put her hands, her arms around my neck. She turned my face to look at her. And she said, it's okay, Jeffy. Jesus is going to see you through. Now, two things happened to me on the spot. One, deep conviction. Because I had such unbelief at the moment. And this little 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome had more faith in me. Two, It encouraged me. It comforted me because I knew the Holy Spirit had to lead this girl. She didn't know to do these things. Holy Spirit led her. She's in my lap telling me these things. It picked me up right on the spot. Picked me up right on the spot, convicted me. I said, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. And I saw the way Christians are supposed to be because she had been through a lot of pain in 10 years. Ostracism from her peers. Mockery, rejection, all the things the kids can be so mean. And so she was sensitive to hurting people. And the way that she had been comforted, she came to me. You are a comforter. Comforting people is one of the great ways to win a soul. Because we're so good at turn to Jesus or go to hell. aren't we? And we're kind of known for that. Uh Oh, here they come. And people scatter. Watch this. Let me show you something. The best way to reach the lost is wait for them to hurt and then move in as a comforter and comfort them. We had a neighbor. We both got houses together side by side, and it started out between us and our neighbor really bad, really bad. Matter of fact, a wall went up a real one, a great big fence, <laughs> and a wall. Because we just we had a, a conflict, and it just got off on the wrong foot, really got off wrong. And I just was, of course, walking around, Mr. Preacher, the pastor, the big man of God, you know, and thought, well, well they're wrong. But I would leave for work in the mornings, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, aren't you something? You're going to go preach me. And you've got a great big wall between you and your neighbor. And I'd rebuke it <laughs> and go on. Now, one day we came home to see ambulances all around this house. We jumped out, ran over there to see what was wrong. The woman's husband had, had an aneurysm and dropped on the spot and passed away. My first response was, okay, I'm really sorry about that. But then my second response was, what would Jesus do? Not sounding trite, what would he do? He'd go straight over there and he would comfort. So we went straight over there and began to comfort her. It was the beginning of melting ice. We began to notice as time went on, huge stacks of whiskey bottles in her trash. It was a recycling bin so we could see what was there. Huge stacks. She's drinking away her pain. I began to think, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So all I knew to do when I would see her was be nice, be kind, and comfort. So I would wave and get no an wave back. I would say, hey, how you doing? Not even hardly a look. But I kept at it, kept at it and comforted. Long story short, the melt, the ice kept melting as I would just move into comfort, to comfort, to do what I could to help. Any little thing I saw that she needed, I tried to do it. And do you know that last week, I got a call, and she was calling to tell me she'd caught a rat in her attic. <laughs> Excited, because I had told her, we've had rat trouble, and I'll tell you how to catch them. So I told her. Another way, I was just trying to... She called me, just thrilled to tell me about this rat she caught, and Kathy said, can you believe the woman that there was this, this wall with for years called you to tell you she caught a rat in her attic? And of course, I said, hey, praise God, way to go. Got that rat, amen, hallelujah. And so the ice is melted. She walks over, she says hello, she comes to our door, it's gone. But how did it happen? Not this, but it happened by comfort.
0: What a powerful message from Pastor Jeff. Today we learned that if you want to live your life to the fullest for God, then you need to take Him at His word. No matter how crazy or out of the ordinary God's plans may seem, there is always a reason. God has a powerful plan for your life and all you need to do is let him work through you in wondrous ways. Don't wait for tomorrow. Start sacrificing yourself for God today, just as Jesus did on the cross for your sake. If you're enjoying Pastor Jeff's messages here on Hardwired, we invite you to listen to more like these in person. If you're in or near the Fort Worth, Texas area, why not be a part of what's happening at Turning Point Church? All the information you'll need is on our website, hardwired.org. Once you're there, just click on the tab TPC Family. One more time, that website is hardwired.org. Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever been so lost in your despair that you don't know where to turn? Next time on Hardwired, Pastor Jeff explains that if you want to turn your life around and leave your burdens behind for good, you need to give it all to God. You will never be able to fix it all on your own. Instead of dwelling in your sorrows, let God take your burdens. No matter how big your mistakes may seem, God's grace will always cover you. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the series, The God Who. So be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today. And we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.